this is actually the last message in a series. This is lesson number nine on uh, how to hear the voice of God in the details of life. So if you're watching online, you're, you're here. My notes are always on our website. You can go to your phone, your iPad, whatever device you have, and just go to our website, victorychurchraleigh.com, and our notes are right there. There's the screen, and, uh, and you can follow along. I never share usually everything that's in the notes, but they're there for your help and aid. And if you missed a lesson, you can go back, and we have the audio, the video. We also have podcasts available. You can listen to them. You know, while you're taking your commute to work or whatever, or any, or, you know, I listen to podcasts when I'm walking. I take walks every day. So anyway, encourage you to catch up, stay, uh, stay up and uh, get the notes and go somewhere and preach them. I think it's all right. That's why I make them available, right? So uh, anyway, this is the last time we're talking about hearing the voice of God in the details of life. And how many know we need to hear God today? And uh, Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you. With my eye. That's the promise of God that we're not left by ourselves to figure life out. We can have God's help and God's aid. And you know, I've been walking with Jesus. This is my 44th year, this year of walking with Jesus, my entire adult life since I was right at 18 years old. I've, I've walked with the Lord. You know, I've, I've looked back often, reflect. It's always good to take some time and just think back. Sometimes I take the decades. As you age, you can do that. You can't do it when you're young because, you know, you're single digits, teenager, and then you're 22, all right? But then when you get my age, it's like, okay, I was teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know. <laughs> or you can do it by years in the 70s, in the 1980s, in the 1990s, in the 2000s. And, you know, you just look and see what God has done in your life. And let me just say this. As you age, your faith should increase. Because you've got a track record and God will have a track record with you where he did this, where he answered this prayer, where he got you out of this hole you dug yourself and you see your, his grace and his mercy. Times that you should not have made it. Times you should have died. Times you should have failed. Times you should have not come, nothing should have worked right, but somehow at the last minute it worked out. Isn't God good? So when he says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, I'll guide you with my eye, boy, my mind goes back and I see all these times that I should have failed, but somehow God helped me. And you know, if you'll walk with God, you'll find the same thing. Isaiah 30, uh, verse 21, I love this. This is, this is applicable to right now. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Now that's, that's the prophet Isaiah prophesying about today. We don't necessarily hear with our physical ears, but we have ears. You have two sets of ears. You've got physical ears and you've, your, your spiritual person has ears. Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And how many know you can have an ear that is attuned to the voice of God? So we've been talking about it in fair detail. And I've just went week after week talking about what we've talked about. We've talked about the fact week one that we're not led by outward things, but inward things. Uh, week, uh, week two, we talked about the general uh, guidance of God's word and then specific guidance from the Holy Spirit. We talked about it in detail week two. Weeks three and four, we talked about the fact that we are spiritual beings in physical bodies. And that's the emphasis that you should have. You should see, your, see yourself as a person in a relationship with God before anything else in life. In fact, he said, I'll have no other gods before me. 
Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So when you put God first, put spiritual things first, you think from, I think, I've learned to think after all these years, I think from the inside out, not from the outside in. We don't think circumstance, we think God's word first. What does God say about what I'm dealing with? What does God think about what I'm doing? What does God think about this relationship? What does God think about this? How many hear me? Then when you do that, then you then that's the paradigm that you look at all of the circumstances in life from. We took a couple of weeks to talk about that. And then uh, weeks five, six, and seven, uh, we mentioned there are three ways that God directs us with specific guidance, the voice of conscience. We spent two weeks talking about that, the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is much more authoritative and uh, has a number of things mixed in with it as well. And then last week, we started talking about the inward witness. And so today, I want to finish that subject of the inward witness as we conclude how to hear the voice of God in the details of life. And again, Romans eight sixteen. I mentioned last week, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, if you're a believer, something inside you, it's the Holy Spirit that lets you know you're his. How many know you can make a mistake and fail and do what your flesh tells you to do or get in league with someone you don't need to be fellowshipping with and do something you shouldn't do and there's a witness on the inside. Don't do that. Don't go there. Stop that. See, that's the witness of the Spirit. Aren't you glad you have it? Let me say it again. If you can go happy-go-lucky into paths of wrong and you know what's wrong and, and, and you don't feel badly about it, you need to check up on yourself. There is an inward witness of the Holy Spirit that we're a child of God, that we belong to God. But then even deeper than that, there's a witness. He, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That is, he speaks to us about the details of life. So I have mentioned uh, last week, you know, you could call this inward witness. See, I, I want to say that it's deeper than thought. And psychologists think we're just minds and bodies. No, we're spirit, soul, and body. There's a spiritual dimension. There are underlying thought patterns that perhaps psychologists talk about. Perhaps that's the spirit of man. Perhaps that's the spirit of man. Nonetheless, there are thoughts that are deeper than mental thoughts. There are thoughts that come from the spirit. So I have, uh, I've called it a witness, a, hu- a hunch. I just have a hunch or or, or sometimes you say, well, I have a knowing about this or that or a premonition or a gut feeling. My mother, when I was a little boy, when I first started studying these many years ago, I thought about my mother when I was a little boy. I'm, I'm talking eight, nine years old. Uh, my grandmother uh, worked for uh, Springs Mill in Kershaw, South Carolina, and they provided all of their employees a place to stay at the beach uh, 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 every summer. Free. That's a nice perk, right? So, uh, and so my grandma, my grandmother, my uncle, and a bunch of relatives worked for the mill because it was a mill town. The mill is closed down now, but that was back when I was young in the six, early sixties. And my mother always knew when my grandmother was coming. She'd say, she'd tell me on Thursday or Friday, meet grandma's coming. I said, how you know? And you know, you didn't have cell phones and all that. And you didn't make a lot of long distance phone calls because it cost, they, you, they charged you for long distance. I remember those days. Aren't you glad those days are gone? Anyway, my, uh, and so my mother would say, Grandma's come. I say, How you know? She says, No, I just know. And sure enough, Sunday morning, there's Grandma. And, uh, you know, we get back from church, there's Grandma. And she was on the way to the beach. So, you know, again, an inward knowing, a premonition. Just a gut sense. You need to follow that. Often the Spirit of God seeking to speak to us. So when we're making decisions, and there's something that is deeper than thought that gets involved 
and uh, you have a premonition. It's just, it's really hard to find a word to, to, to describe it. Then you need to check up on that and find out what God is saying. I don't make decisions until I feel right inside. In fact, Colossians, we mentioned this last week, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule. That word rule, we get our word umpire. Let the peace of God call the shots in your life. Go this way or go that way to arbitrate, govern. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're called in one body and be thankful. So we're to follow the peace of God. Today I want to, I really want to start back where I left off last week. And I mentioned last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. Now, you know, I was in my early 20s when I first came across this verse and it, it really, really intrigued me because it says, uh, King James, for what man know, knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, see, he aligns the spirit of man knowing things with the spirit of God knowing things. Philip's translation of this says, for, and I don't think this is in the notes. I forgot to give it to you. For who could really understand a man's inmost thoughts? See, inmost thoughts. That's deeper than conscious thinking. Inmost thoughts except the spirit of man himself. How much less could anyone understand the thoughts of God except the very spirit of God? Then God's word translation, it really is. That's the name of the translation. It's strange, but it's a great translation, God's word. After all, who knows everything a person about a person except that person's own spirit? Isn't that interesting? In the same way, no one has known everything about God except God's spirit. So what are those verses intimating? They're intimating to us that there are, there are sources of knowledge that are deeper than human thought that come to us when we're born again. And we need to learn to listen to that. Today, I want to go into some detail and make this as practical as I can possibly be before we are done on, on how to hear these inward thoughts from the spirit nature uh, that, that really is the real you. And your spirit knows things about life and things in general that your head doesn't know. See, your spirit nature, because, you know, we, we are spiritual beings living in a natural world. And, and, and you know, I, I've, I've very rarely had discerning of spirits, which is seeing into the realm of spirits. It's a spiritual gift, 1 Corinthians 12. But I know from Scripture, for with us sitting right here, uh, there, there are at least as many angels in here as there are people. You have a guardian angel that never leaves you. Just because you grow up doesn't mean you lose him. So they're in here, and we have, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Matthew 19, Jesus, Matthew 18, Jesus said, uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there. Do you know Jesus attends church services? You ever thought about that? There's more than two. Well, more than one. He said, we're two or three, right? There I am. He has an ability to be everywhere at all times. It's really amazing to me. Now, he's in here. You got the spiritual. So we live in a spiritual world. There's a spiritual realm. And there are things that are known in the spirit realm that aren't known in the world that we live in. And your spirit is in contact with that world. How many hear me? And you can sense it. You can sense right now. I can sense the opposition of the moment we're living in right now. You can sense that inside. There's, it's like a friction. It's a rubbing against inside. You know it's there. And it grates against you. What is that? It's a spiritual perception that, that tough things are about. 
and that, and that the times are changing. Don't you sense that inside? See, those are spiritual perceptions. Let's make that more personal. Now, let me say this. Uh, 44 years ago, this past September 12th, 720 at night, I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I could even tell you the street number, 600 East Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina. I can, I can show you the spot on planet Earth where I received baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 if you're watching online, you're in here, and you're uh, uh, um, uh, just a denominational believer, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever, and you've not heard of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, don't turn me off. Leave it on. And just listen a minute, because I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. And the only thing, and I didn't know anything about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Our church did not teach that, but as I... Uh, my mother received the experience in 1975. I've told you about that many times, those of you that have been here any length of time. And that was my introduction to the subject, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that changed my mother. And she became a different person from that day on, February 1975, in a Baptist ladies' prayer meeting. These ladies were immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's not baptism in water. People think, get it all mixed up. When I say baptism with the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, I was baptized. I said, no, no, I'm not talking about water. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. That is, you're immersed into a new relationship with the Holy Spirit where he covers you in, in, in a bubble of supernatural life. It's amazing. It's amazing. And if you're here, hopefully you've received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you're watching, hopefully you have received. It's not talked about a lot today, but friends, I have spent my entire adult life uh, walking in the light of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I've had people, friends of mine, who, uh, like me as a young person in their teens, got baptized with the Holy Spirit, but did nothing with it. Like the man in the Bible that had some money and dug a hole in the ground and stuck it in there and it didn't earn interest. They didn't do anything with it. Well, I, you know, it changed me so much. I thought, well, you know what? I think I need to stay with this. I've stayed with this all my adult life, 44 years. I got a lot of stories. And you know what it shows you? That God is real. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, it will make spirit, it'll open up a, a, a realm uh, of spiritual understanding that without it, you just won't have it. It's quiet in this Baptist church. Did you hear what I just said? And if you have the baptism of the Spirit and don't walk in the light of it, well, you're missing half your life. I mean, God gave you something. You want, he wants you to walk in it. Jesus told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. In Acts chapter 1, which he said, you've heard from me, John baptized in water. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And on the day of Pentecost, how many know what happened? Yes or No. Question, are you walking in the light of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You're in the room here, you're watching. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some of you made me many years ago. Have you laid that thing aside, done nothing with it? If you, if you have, you're missing what God has for you. In fact, let me just say, if you know you have it and you do nothing with it, you'll never experience God's best. Can you be saved without it? Absolutely. But the journey will be different without it. Jesus has power. You'll see power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. How many hear me? Well, with that experience, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, comes an, a, a greater understanding of the word, a boldness. I've preached that many times. But then thirdly, uh, and maybe uh, uh, most significantly, it gives you a new way to fellowship with God. It enhances your personal prayer life. And for me, when I was uh, almost 18, receiving this experience, the enhancement of my personal prayer life has made more difference 
than anything else with this experience, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's a doorway into a new relationship, uh, a spiritual relationship with the Lord that without it, it's just not on the same level or dimension. How many hear me? Can you relate to the Lord without it? Yes, but there's a dimension that you miss without the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many hear what I'm saying? If we, if we could do our best without it, why did Jesus urge the disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they had the experience? Right? So anyway, I want to talk about specifically praying. Now, with this experience comes, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, comes the ability to pray in other tongues. Now, don't, don't, turn, don't turn the feed off if you're watching from home. And don't turn me off if you're visiting here. Just listen because I got some things to say. I, I, never heard, I never heard anything about this as a Baptist boy. The only thing I ever heard, I remember my Baptist pastor, and I'm friends uh, uh, with him on Facebook now. He's 87, 88 years young now, 87, I think. But uh, <clears> the <throat> only thing I ever heard was he, was he was right at his pulpit. He's actually on this side because the piano was here. The organ was over here. And he said, and other tongues is of the devil. And he pointed his finger. And I, as a little boy, I said, well, I don't need that then if it's of the devil. Well, then my mother received it. And, you know, my brain thought, well, she must have got something of the devil. But if it's of the devil, seems like you'd want to be in the flesh more. If it's of the devil, seems like you'd want to sin more. If it's of the devil, seems like you wouldn't want to go to church. You wouldn't want to get involved in praise and worship. You wouldn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, the Christ. But see, the opposite happened to my mama. She fell in love with Jesus. Everything is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My brothers and my father and I thought she went cuckoo. She just loved Jesus. Started reading her Bible. Started praying. Started listening to the word. Listening to broadcasts on the, on the radio at the time in the 1970s. Oh my, something happened. Then I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Whoo! Opposite of what that pastor said happened. I, I fell more in love with Jesus. I wanted the word. I didn't want to sin. I didn't want to do wrong. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to worship God. I wanted to be in his presence. It changed this boy. And it'll change you too. So with that experience came the ability to pray in the spirit. Now, the Greek word glossolalia, glossolia, whatever, however you want to pronounce the term, and, and uh, Bible scholars, you know, they, they, they just give themselves spit baths over this thing. Well, it's ecstatic utterance. You just get all into a frenzy. No, no, no. Sometimes it's non-emotional. What is praying in other tongues? Now, it hasn't made sense to my, my mind yet, and I've been practicing this every day for 44 years. I tallied it up as almost 16,000 days. Every day. Well, I'm not cuckoo yet. What is praying in the spirit? And I've never understood it yet. And I've tried to reason it out many times over the years. Why? If God's an intelligent person, I'm an intelligent person, would he have me do something? And I have no clue what I'm saying. Why? Well, one reason is, you're so full of you, and you got all the answers figured out. God just gave us a gift that we have nothing to do with it. It's all him, or it isn't. Huh? 
And it takes you out of being in charge of you. And then you have to ask him, what am I talking about? And sometimes he says, none of your business. Just keep praying. How many hear me? It's the way it works. It's the strangest thing in the world. I often thought, you know, people think I'm crazy. If I knew every day I spend an hour minimum praying in the spirit. And I don't even know most of the time what I'm saying. Say, what benefit is that? Is there any benefit in talking to God? Well, here's what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 14. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray for the ability to interpret what has been said. Now, I do that every day, Lord, when I need to, when I pray in the spirit, so terms are synonymous, praying in other tongues, praying in the unknown tongue, praying in the spirit, all synonymous terms. For that language that comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit that enables you to talk to, a, to God in a language only he understands. So really it's code. It's code language in the realm of the spirit. The enemy can't break the code. Do you hear me? The devil has no idea what you're saying. So I can say, Father, I'm, I'm praying for so-and-so. And I pray in the spirit and the devil says, what you praying about? I don't know. Only God knows. I'm praying about my future, praying about the service, praying about this, praying about that. You're praying in the spirit. You're praying in code language. Only God understands. Not even the angels know it. Nobody but God. Isn't that awesome? I think God's pretty smart myself. So he said, pray that you may interpret. Verse 14, for I pray in tongues. My spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then I, what shall I do? I'll pray in the spirit. I'll pray with, in words I understand. I'll sing in the spirit. I'll sing with words I understand. Now, uh, amplified of 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in an unknown tongue, watch this, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unproductive, bears no fruit, and helps nobody. Let me ask you a few questions. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes? Uh, does God know everything? Omniscient, all-knowing, yes. Okay, so you answered the first two correctly. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Does God know everything? Yes. Okay, uh, if the Holy Spirit's living in you, then is God living in you? So here's the last question. Then, does a person who knows everything live in you? Then why would I not want to cooperate with him? Figure that out. Answer that. Why? So praying in the spirit and then learning to listen. Boy, I tell you, it'll, it'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. It will cause God to guide you with his eye. First Corinthians 14, two, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue, this is amplified, speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit, he utters secret truths. Now, what are secret truths? Or there are things that people don't know. And then hidden things. That could cover millions and millions of things that are hidden to us, hidden to our understanding, our knowledge, not obvious to the understanding. Romans 8, 26, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. For example, we don't know what, we, what, uh, what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Those groanings which cannot be expressed in words is praying in the spirit. Now this verse is not saying that the Holy Spirit has suddenly become responsible for your prayer life. No, it says he helps. 
The helper's not the one that does it. The helper helps. You got a plumber's helper. He's not the master plumber with a certificate that knows all the stuff. He's the helper that gives him the wrench or goes, gets this or does that, right? Oh, no, no, no. No, the Holy Spirit's not responsible for your prayer life, but he helps you in your weakness. Isn't that good? And so he prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's praying in the Spirit. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. What better way to pray than to pray in harmony with God's own will? I've often prayed, Lord, I don't know how to pray for so-and-so, a person, a situation, in my own life, my children, this, that, this, Susan and I, direction, ministry. Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know which way to go, but you do, so I pray in the Spirit. And I just keep it up day after day after day. And, and, and then uh, uh, usually something begins to rise up. Talk about it in a minute. How many hear me? Then he says, the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you know, as well as I, for, for every believer, everything doesn't always work together for good. Yes or no? So people get confused. They, well, if you're a believer, that didn't come to pass in that believer's life. They did this, that happened, this happened. Let me tell you, you start praying in the spirit. The catalyst for all things working together for good when you love God, even when awful things happen, is praying in the spirit. Because you can pray into manifestation the will of God. If you don't pray, often God can do nothing with you. Yes or no? So I've talked about that earlier in the year when I taught on prayer in great detail. So let me talk about this praying in the spirit. See, when I make decisions, when I, need, when I know something's coming up, see, praying in the spirit is a great catalyst to understand and discern the inward witness. So again, let me talk about real practically how this works for example 1995 I moved here in 1994 October 20th Thursday and Friday Thursday and Friday we rented a house I sold my house in South Carolina it sold in December it sold like December 9th 1994 and so you know we banked the money and then I wanted to you know I had four small children at the time my oldest child was 10 and then we have four children, stair-stepped them, except the last one missed a stair-step somehow. You know, 10, 8, 6, and 2. And uh, <clears throat> so I needed a good-sized house. And boy, I figured out real quickly from the small town I came from going to Raleigh, prices went up. So I'm looking around. I'm looking at all kinds of houses. We got a realtor, you know, this, that, and the other. And then we had an opportunity to build a house. And I looked at all the figures. It seems like, wow, that's a pretty good deal there. And... Uh, Looked up the builder and all that, you know. Well, this might work out real well. So here's how I made the decision, cut to the chase here. Here's how I make decisions. So at the time, I don't always write it down now, but I took a piece of paper and just drew a couple of lines down. Put A, B, C. Okay, what happens if I, if I enter into contract and build this house? And I just wrote down what my mind knew about it. And then, okay, what if I don't just, and just, uh, you know, an already existing structure, and I, I buy that, you know, best B. And all the little wherefores for that. And then C, I don't even remember what C was. There was a C, I don't remember what it was. But um, 
So I started praying and I had a little bit of time. I had a few days. So here's what I do. Now listen carefully because if you'll do this, you'll be amazed how this works. So when I make decisions, that's what I do. Okay, Lord, I'm gonna look at A. I could do this. And, and I put that in my mind because listen, when you're praying in the spirit, you're not making up what you say. Is that true? See, it comes from your spirit. My spirit is praying, but my mind is inactive. So if your mind is inactive, what does that mean? When you're praying in the spirit because it's coming from your human spirit and it's bypassing your mind via your vocal organs and just going and God, and it's code word to God, then you can put your mind on anything. It's so often when I'm praying in the spirit and I'm wanting to know the will of God about something, I'll put it, for instance, I was looking for that house. Should I build this house? Enter into contract. Well, A, I put A in my head. That is, I'm gonna enter into contract. And while I'm praying in the spirit, I'm thinking about all the nuances of entering into contract, letting them build the house. They clear the land. They start building the house and we pick out the colors and this and that and the other. And you know, there were all kinds of things I don't have time to tell you about. And I just pray, I'm, as I'm praying, I'm thinking about all that as I'm praying. And then while I'm doing that, I pray for five, 10 minutes that way. Hmm. Hmm. And, and, then, and then I just get quiet and stop. Okay, does that feel, is it a peace? Is it right? What's the option? Get it? And then it's okay. Now, now I'm gonna pray about, this, about, about a house, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna buy one that I have to, you know, do some upfitting to, some changing to and stuff. So there's B. And so I start praying, okay, I'm just gonna buy an already existing home. So I put that in my head and I pray in the spirit and I prayed in the spirit for five, 10 minutes. And then I got quiet. I said, now how do I feel about that? Then I got C, did the same thing. And I did that, you know what I had to do? I did it for several days. First day I was unclear. I said, well, I don't know. Not a lot of difference between A and B right now. But see, as I kept doing it day after day after day, you know what happened? Eventually, I got a clearing. It's like, okay, I'm thinking about A. That feels real good. Thinking about B, that's not the best. That is not the best deal for me. And you know what? We did A. Because as I kept praying, thinking about it, praying in the spirit, I ascertained inside, that's right. And we made the right choice. Isn't that good? Now, I've still got that house. I've got another house. I got two. I didn't know God wanted me to have two. That's okay, don't you think? Well, I got, you know, I bought another house. Glory. So I'm just trying to show you how this works. That worked out really well for us. We had room for all of our children. The house we built had all the bedrooms, and we had five bedrooms in that house. It was amazing. It was great. Well, uh, uh, this past April, for instance, everybody Okay. So March, you know, everything shut down with uh, coronavirus and, and, you know, we, <laughs> we hadn't even got the permit to build our buildings yet. We've spent almost $300,000, a little less than that. And then everything shut down and I'm preaching to everybody. From, uh, look, I'm looking in that camera right in front of me preaching. And there's nobody in the room. I finally put your pictures on the chairs. I said, man, this is hard, man. So, you know, Sundays, Wednesdays, and so then, you know, obviously my mind's thinking, now what are you going to do about that building? There's nobody to come to church right now. It's just all online. What are you going to do? You building, what are you going to do? Well, I met with the board, said we just, let's do nothing right now. Let's just don't make any choices. Just steady as she goes. I got to praying and I did the same thing. A was, and I really, I prayed in the spirits. Okay, Lord, okay, we're not going to build the building. We're going to put it all on mothballs and just, no, not now, no. I prayed in the spirit for five, 10 minutes, same way. Then, then B, okay, we're gonna build the building. We're gonna do it because God said do it. And I pray in the spirit 
And then, and then C for that one was, well, we'll just do part of it, not all of it. I prayed that way. I've never told a soul I prayed that way. None of my board knows I prayed this way, but I did. And you know what? As I was praying, you know what I ascertained? Build the building. Why? Why? Because I got quiet and inside me, that's where the peace was. I had no peace when I thought about mothballing the thing. No, no, I, I got peace. Do it. So I know God's up to something and I think it's going to be great. Don't you? Now, what if you made decisions that way? Before you do something, pray in the spirit. Think about doing it. Think about not doing it. Think about doing it a different way and, and keep those different things in your mind while you're praying. I promise you'll come up on something and you'll find where the peace of God is. Is that practical enough for you? I'm telling you, it works. And I could tell you experience after experience I've experienced that I've had along those. We bought this property seven years ago. I did the same thing. God, I got to know it's you. I got to know it's right. The board and I met, you know, back in April after, uh, after things began to settle down, we figured out what the corona thing was all about and stuff. And, and we made the decision that we're moving forward. The board and I together said, we're going to do it together. They all, all agreed that, yep, let's go ahead and, and plan to build the building. So, you know, God's good, isn't he? Praying in the spirit. See, praying in the spirit, the things that you don't know about your future, your life, and all the nuances that make life happen, that God knows if you'll pray in the spirit, you'll get an understanding about 1984, January. Um, 1984, January 1984, I was 25 years old. I turned 26 that October. So I just turned 25 the October before. And I usually, at that time, I'd, uh, I'd walk and pray at night and I could have cold winter nights in Tulsa where I live. But I was out, I'd, I'd be out praying and every day, and then I get up in the morning and pray for an hour in the, in the spirit. And, you know, as I did that, January, January 1984, I was just minding my own business after I had prayed for an hour in the spirit. And, uh, you know, then I went to work, and I worked at a local church in Tulsa, a large one. And I was uh, actually on the janitorial staff. I always wasn't even on the ministry staff. And the associate pastor of the church, every time I'd look at him, every time I'd look at him, now, not, not literally, but figuratively, he'd light up like a neon sign. He was like highlighted to me. He's like, huh, George Moss. And I heard the words right here. You're going to have his job. Oh, my Lord Jesus. I'm a janitor saying I'm going to have his, something wrong with me. I'm proud. I'm a man of pride. I told Susan something's wrong with me. Every time I looked at him, any time during the day, and I was there Monday through Friday, every time I looked at him, you'll have his job. So, oh, God, God. I said, oh, Lord, I'm a man full of pride. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I told Susan something's wrong with me. Please pray for me. And I told her what I sensed. Every time I look at him, I'm gonna have his job. Oh, he's the associate pastor of the big old church, and I'm a janitor. I'm a janitor for crying out loud. And then I told my best friend, I said, well, Please pray for me. I'm just full of pride. God needs to do a big work in Mitch. Because all I can, I told him what I sensed. I said, don't you say a word to anybody. I'll lose my job. Well, y'all listen. That's January 1984, July, second week of July 1984. <laughs> Susan and I went to South Carolina, Florence, our hometown. Went on vacation. We're at the last day of our vacation. It was a Friday. <laughs> it's, it's just before five o'clock. 
uh, and, uh, and, and, we, and I was hungry, and, and they have some really good barbecue in Florence, South Carolina. And I was thinking about that barbecue. I was ready to go eat me some barbecue. And so we were getting ready to leave, and then the phone rang. This is 1984, and there no, there's no internet, there's no t- cell phones and all that. And I get a call, and, and Susan answered the phone, and it was the pastor's secretary, Robin. And, I, and uh, oh my goodness, I heard her say, Robin, John Stone? And Susan says, everything all right? And I, I, I could tell that, and then Susan came to me and said, Mitch, the pa- pastor, pastor, pastor Bob wants to talk to you. I said, me? Me? I'm a janitor. Me? I got the phone. And I put it up to mayor. I said, hello? He said, Mitch, I know you're on vacation, about to come home. I said, I'm driving home tomorrow. He said, George Moss, the associate pastor, just resigned. I want you to take his job. Now, y'all, now, y'all, what would you do with that? Now, I didn't become associate, but he was the counselor for the pastor, and that's what I did. I got his job. I, I didn't even remember the 1,200-mile ride home. All I could think is about was everything God said to me for the last seven months. You'll have his job. You'll have his job. I did get his job. And September 15th, actually it was August 15th of that year, I, I got that staff position as counseling director and, and George moved on. Now, now, if you had experiences like that, what would that do to you? Would it make you feel like there's a God that loves you? A God you can trust? A God who has your back? A God who knows things you don't know? Well, I could tell you of experience after experience. 1993, you've heard this, I won't tell it very long, but I was pastoring a church for a pastor in my hometown. And, I, and he's coming back from a, a one-year missions endeavor. And I knew he's coming back and God knew what I was thinking. God, what do you have for me? I'm pastoring this guy's church in his stead for him, supporting him in ministry. What do you got for me? And I was, I pray in the spirit one hour every morning. I, there's nothing in the Bible that says you, you have to do that, but I wanted to, and I just did it. And you know what happened? I heard the second Tuesday of, ni- of November 1993, already existing church, those words started floating up. So what is that? And they never left, already existing church. And God was saying to me, Mitch, there's a church that exists that you're the pastor. And I've been here for 26 years. Now, again, if you had experiences like that, would you have any confidence that God can speak to you? Huh? Would it make you feel like God loved you? Would it give you confidence that regardless of what comes up in life, God has the answer? Huh? I've had so many experiences. Here recently, and I'll close. Here recently, over the last few years, a new phenomenon started happening. I love words. I just love words. Etymology is the, of, is wor- the study of word origins. And I've got books of etymology. In fact, there are etymological dictionaries online you can find. I just love to research words because I use words all the time. I speak more words than the average Joe because of my ministry. So I love words. So God will give me words. He started giving me words years ago. I can't tell you all of them. 2016, I knew that I needed to make some changes in how uh, we were organized as a church. 
in January of 2016, I was minding my own business. In fact, we were in the men's meeting. I had, see, I get here early. I get here at five o'clock in the morning, pray in the spirit, then go have my men's meeting. And no kidding, I'm sitting there, the men are talking, jabbering away, you know, and you're sitting in a circle. And this one word comes up, trendsetter. Huh? Huh? I never use that word, trend, what is that? And then somebody rode with me to the restaurant. We ate breakfast. And, and they're jabbering in my, just talking away in my ear. I can't hardly listen to them for here. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. What in the world is a trendsetter? I don't use that word. Trendsetter. And then all the way back from, uh, we're eating breakfast at the, at the um, uh, restaurant. Trendsetter. And then, and then we're on the way back. That guy's still jabbering in my ear. Trendsetter. I get in my office. I say, okay, 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 okay. I looked it up in the dictionary. A 1590s word. Anglo-Saxon word. Trend. It comes from the word round. It had to do with the, the trench that a river cuts through the forest. Or the contour of the land as the ocean brushes up against it. It's cutting a new, it's cutting a new way. You get the idea? And so the word trendsetter, 1951, that's the etymology of the word. So you know what God did with that word? You're going to cut a new, you're going to cut a new trail, Bubba. You're going to do something you've not done before. Well, some of the hardest years of my life was 2016 and 2017 because change is hard. Yes or no? If you've ever made personal change, the hardest thing you'll ever do is change. And it's emotionally wrenching, mentally wrenching, spiritually perplexing, but I did it. And a lot of people didn't like me. I mean, there was the devil and his first cousin is Mitch Horton. Whether I should say that or not, I did. I'm just telling you how hard it was. But see, God gave me a word. I followed that word and you know what? We, we are doing better than we ever have. And I think it's exciting. What do you think? God gave me a word when the coronavirus broke out, nefarious. I don't even have time to explain it. And then I told you, I think I, I talk so much. Uh, in one of the meetings I'm in, I do four things a week. One, two, three, four, yeah. And um, May of, this past May, he gave me the word subversion for all of these riots and what was under the underpinnings. Go look up the word and look up the synonyms. Well, yesterday, you want to hear this? You might not want to hear this. I was praying in the Spirit an hour yesterday morning. I'll stop with this. And so, you know, I, I had to, you know, a really good time with the Lord. And then I just sat back, you know, where I was praying, just sat back a minute. And this word comes up to me over and over. Volatile. Volatile. I don't use the word volatile very often. Volatile. Well, I looked it up and I had, I, I, I knew Intuitively, it has to do with our future, the future of America in the next while. So the word volatile, I looked it up, liable to change rapidly and unpredictably. Isn't that interesting? Then I look up synonyms. Synonyms to help you understand a word. Tense, strained, fraught, uneasy, uncomfortable, charged, explosive, eruptive, inflammatory, turbulent, in turmoil, full of upheavals, hairy, nail-biting. I mean, this is the synonyms in the dictionary. White knuckle, 
dodgy. Ah. But you know, when I heard that, you know what the other thing I got was? He'll keep us in the middle of the storm. Isn't that good? So you know what I know? I don't care what happens. If you come and say, Pastor, I say, everything's fine. God's already spoke to me. We're fine. Weather the storm. Y'all, I have so many examples I could stand here all day and talk to you about hearing the voice of God and the details of life. Your Father, your Heavenly Father loves you so intimately and so closely that He'll do all this for you. He doesn't do that because I'm a pastor. He does it because I'm a person. Because I'm a human. How many hear me? And, and, and if you want to hear the voice of God and the details of life, take some time with me. You have various levels of conversation with various people in your life. You have surface conversations where you say, Hi, howdy, how you doing? Good to see you. How's the weather? Talk about the ball game. Talk about the job. Talk about events. Then you got other people in your life you see more frequently. You get past all that. Then you talk about what you're thinking, how you're doing, what's going on in your life. Then you have a few select people in your life you see every day. Like me and Susan. And we talk about what we're thinking, how we're feeling, what bothers us. As I close, I feel the heart of God pulling me. There is a realm where he exists that is full of everything you need. So close your eyes. Lord, let there be birthed in the heart of every person in this room a desire to know you. A desire to be with you and spend time with you. Lord, let not the current thing that's so loud overtake the quiet time spent with the God of the universe. Help us to hear your voice in the details of life. Give us a hunger to talk to you. I just pray as I conclude the meeting. There's a person watching online that doesn't know. They say they know you, but lifestyles never changed. Or there's a person in the room. Oh, they say I know God, but their lifestyles never changed. They sin. And they know what I mean when I say sin. Draw them away from themselves and the wrong. Draw them into repentance in a relationship with Jesus. Lord, those are here or watching, not baptized with the Holy Spirit, help them to hunger and thirst after righteousness to where they want you in Jesus' name.